Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. Let's see how this goes. So how, uh, well, we have to start with uh, who we are. So, so Matt, who, who are you? You can tell, you could say as much or as who little am as you I? want. Yes. Who are you? I, you don't have to give the full I name, just a, whatever you want. Right. I am a Luddite from mm. Central Pennsylvania uh, who doesn't know anything about anything. I'm a <laughs> middle-aged man who works in a prison. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, I pretty much just like to listen to other people talk. And then I scream at the steering wheel in my car while I'm listening to it. So I thought, hey, this would be kind of fun because I, since for those of you that don't know us, uh, Ethan and I used to live near each other in the same town. Mm -hmm. And Ethan then moved away. So now the only way that we really get to connect is through um, irate text messages and uh, the occasional phone call. And this is kind of my way of staying in touch with you. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I'm a, just a regular guy i'm not a doctor or anything unlike my colleague or who soon will be <laughs> soon but, is, uh, soon is relative <laughs> yeah i uh i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens I'm, I'm a guy that's full of opinions though so that's yeah, okay so i mean i that that's really what podcasting is right it's <laughs> it's uh it, it's putting our brand out there which is just our opinion Right. Which I'm fine with. Uh, I'm Ethan. And, and like Matt said, I, we used to live uh, uh, pretty close to each other. I, there was once a time when I was Matt's, I guess, pastor, which is kind of a strange way of putting it. It's more like Matt came to the church that I was a pastor at, which is okay with me. That's all great. Part of my background is I used to be a pastor. I'll, I might be a pastor again someday. Uh, and right now I'm working on a doctorate in at the University of Virginia in uh, Christian theology. Who knows what will happen after that? Maybe I'll teach or whatever comes up. But basically that means that I, I like to talk about God sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like to talk about things I don't understand. And that's part of the reason why I kind of got involved with Ethan and going to his church. And we actually met through a local theater. Yes. Um, that's how that's how this whole marriage began. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe when you first moved, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ethan, when you first moved to town, you didn't really know anybody in there. It's a rural Pennsylvania town, so there's not a lot of activities and things to do. As far as I understand it, Ethan and his wife had a pretty significant theater background in their in their younger days. Mm-hmm. And uh and noticed that uh, there was a local theater um, in in the next town over, actually, from where he from where he moved. And uh, when he came to see his first show there, I happened to be in that show. That's right. And, and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because of you, though. <laughs> well, I, that's nice of you to say. But uh, yeah, it wasn't the wasn't the best show ever. Um, and, and I'm 
honestly, I don't think it was a terrible show in terms of the, the people that were involved. I just don't think it was a very strong script, but that's for another podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, so, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so whenever uh, Ethan's first experience with me, as far as I know, was watching me uh, doof around on on stage in a in a in a rather not good play. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That that is that is the first time I I saw him. I did not meet him. Beth yeah. and I, Beth, my wife and I, did not stick around to meet the cast after the show. <laughs> we, we were like peace, you know. But uh, on the on the drive home. I was like, maybe I should audition for these guys. Maybe I should. They, they need my help. Is yeah, what you maybe, maybe, I can, <laughs> maybe I can come on in and we, I can chill with them. And, and the next show that was running was uh, a show I hadn't heard of, but I was researching it. And it seemed funny. Yeah. And it, and so it was the, funny. And the next show that was, was on after that was one that I, was happen, I happened to be directing. Right. And right. Uh, Ethan came in for an audition and uh, he, he did okay. And, uh, <laughs> and he got a part and uh <laughs> since then uh that's how that's how we officially met i believe was at that audition yeah. and then um after you you had earned the part uh i i was i was becoming more interested in just speaking to ethan behind the stage and trying to figure out you know character development and things like that in in the play and i found out that he was uh a pastor at a local church more out of uh, pity I decided that I would attend a few of his services to see if he was as good as he said he was. That's pretty good. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. And, uh, and it turns out I actually started getting kind of hooked on going. I really, uh, really got a lot out of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I, I was given that uh, experience and I, I'm grateful that I met him in the way that I did um, because I've really uh, gotten a lot out of our relationship other than just, you know, drinking beers and smoking hookahs sure. but uh that's how it kind of worked out for me anyway so through that initial play i kind of got more interested in, in ethan the man mm. and uh and i actually like his family more than him so they yeah, I know I, out with I and know that. Uh, <laughs> I <know that. laughs> my wife and his wife met and they got along and now they're they're good friends and uh it's kind of how it all developed and it hasn't it hasn't really been all that long it's probably only been what four three or four years maybe. yeah like three years it was it was yeah just about three years i was at the church for three years yeah before, before we moved so yeah just about that that's that's right because that that season at cast that was the 20 that was the 2017 season yeah so yeah right right away pretty much i was only in i was only the pastor for a few months before i got connected to cast which frankly i'll be honest with you like you and and your wife and then cast were were basically lifesavers for us because <laughs> without that like like we just we just wouldn't have made friends you know we, with, with right. many people we wouldn't have had that opportunity to to be with people in a way that you know wasn't just church people and and like church people are are fine in their way you know i <laughs> i i enjoy it i i like the job but but you don't really become friends you know that that's kind of hard well the reason for that is because you're already you start off your relationship with a with a, with a power dynamic that's right. out of balance yeah. right so yeah. people look at their pastor as, as as a role model or as a teacher or uh, as an authority figure really 
when they're involved in a church. And I, having not been involved in a church for such a long time and not really meeting you through it in that way, I never really, um, never really had that same sort of power dynamic with you. So I always saw you first as Ethan and then as a pat. I, I saw you as a friend of mine who happened to be a pastor rather than a pastor that I became friends with. Right. Do you understand? Right. I know exactly so, what you mean. And I think that that was probably a, a good thing for you as well, because mm -hmm. you didn't have the same sort of, um, I don't know, I, you can, you can elaborate more on this as far as the pastor mentality, but um, it seems to me like you're always on as a pastor, mm -hmm. meaning you're not, you're not, you're not, you don't have off days. You don't have time to yourself, so to speak, whenever you're dealing with members of your community, because they always view you in a certain lens. So you always have to be at work. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think that's a killer for a lot of pastors. Right. And so you've got you got pastors who I'm going to put it this way, who who think that that's correct. Like, yeah, right. I'm I'm on 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Satan never rests and neither should I, you know, <laughs> all that all that good stuff. And uh for me, this is kind of cliché, but I'm like Satan's not really the role model you should be going with there. You know, like if the devil doesn't rest, why should I? Well, I mean, I don't know. But uh, so you kind of have people like that who who and, and and frankly, those are the folks who they can't they can't function correctly. You know, they they get into all kinds of bad trouble with inappropriate, not like sexual, but like inappropriate relationships with their with their church where they can't be pastors to their church because they're so right. enmeshed in. And, uh, and so for me, like I recognized that there was a, a, a sense in which, yes, I'll always sort of be on, you know, I'll always, even in my off time, I'll always sort of be on because, you know, I might run into somebody who goes to the church at Walmart or, you know, whatever, right. but, or there's an emergency or there's, different things but my approach and and it became a lot more helpful for my family and I when we started hanging out with you and your family like my approach was to try to draw some porous boundaries and be like no you know I'm not around right now no that's not going to happen no I've, I've gone out with friends or and and that's got to be okay and and like for me I was able to sometimes I talk about training my congregation <laughs> <laughs> I was able to train my congregation to like recognize that that was okay. Like guys, I'm recognize you as an, like recognize you as an individual and as a person and as uh, a not deity. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, and I think for the most part, I had, I had some good people who, who were like, yeah, mm -hmm. do that. Do please do that. You know? And, and I thought that was good. I, but well, um, that, you I also, you also okay. challenged them in ways that they hadn't been challenged before there wasn't other pastors you know dancing around on stage in a dress <laughs> you know That's so true. i mean you didn't really give them a, you you didn't really get and, and this is to your credit by the way i don't mean this in a, in a, in a negative way but you kind of didn't give them a choice but to see you as a person and i think that may have um been why you were so successful with the congregation at that church is because they had a real personal connection with you you know so whenever whenever um whenever you spoke they they heard it yes as a pastor but also as a, you know 
a colleague, if you will, mm, sure, somebody sure. that's somebody that's fallible and vulnerable and passionate and just like just like all the rest of us. And I, that's not the um, the image a lot of people have of their pastors. They they put them on some sort of pedestal that they're supposed to be holier than thou or they're they're, they're another reincarnation of Jesus himself or something. Mm. And uh, I, I think that in order to do the work that you were doing and, and to have the impact that you had, that kind of personal touch was an asset. Hmm. Well, I appreciate that. I, I, I I thank, thanks a lot. I I think that that's probably true. I, I decided in my ministry, I made that the decision I made in my ministry, probably, Oh, maybe two or three months in. So it was pretty early was that I really, it was really too, too much for me to develop personas for this and and like there's a sense in which all of us as we navigate jobs and roles and whatever that that we have uh uh, different parts of ourselves that we access in order to do these jobs and roles you know so that that's definitely true like i was mindful of the things i said when i was a pastor when i was being pastoral or Stuff like when you that. were when you were working when I was working right <laughs> right we, we all do that my friend it, it, exactly <laughs> but but like for me I I think something that I decided rather rather early on I was I was really going to do my best to be who I was and so if I wasn't actually bothered by something I wouldn't be bothered by it or rather than pretend to care I I find things that I really did care about and so. I, I found myself in my approach to doing this job. I didn't. I often didn't care about the things that my congregants cared about, <laughs> right? But I cared about them, sure. You know, and so I was able to be myself and do the job well by uh, just focusing on the things that already came, that were true to me, that were already came naturally to me. And then I was able to to get connected to the theater and be with you guys. Without and, and having my the congregant the congregation know I'm doing that without them you know seeing it as kind of too terribly odd. Well, pastor right. is this is what pastor likes to do, and that's a good thing, you know. And we've got things we like to do. When when you when they did uh, when Cass did uh, the Buddy Holly story the second time because I didn't see the first time. So so quick funny story, listeners. I always got made fun of. It was gently made fun of, but it was still there by my congregation for being this like godless millennial whenever <laughs> I'd whenever I do theater stuff at, at the theater. Because, you know, I'd swear or I'd be in drag or I do do whatever, whatever the show would have me do. And so people would come and see me because they'd want to support me. And then like the next day, like the next Sunday, they'd be like, we saw the show pastor and, you know you better pray a little harder. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> but it was, they it was, loved it. They but did they love it. It. <laughs> it, it. It was in good fun. It was in good fun. They all came to see the Buddy Holly story uh, both times, I assume, but definitely yeah. the year I was there. After that, like, I, I refused to let them make fun of me ever again. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was watching those old ladies dance and, and around oh, yeah. the crowd. I, I know what's going on. You guys need to relax. One of the things that I, I, I think I did very well at, at the church uh, is I really did my best to, to jettison a lot of shame. Yeah. I'm like, I think shame guides a lot of church people. 
and sometimes shame is okay. Like, hey man, if you're fucking racist, <laughs> feel, feel ashamed because that's right. shameful. But when like, it works, when it, exactly. But <laughs> exactly. But uh, but like, I think for a lot of church people, they end up uh, learning to feel shame over things that are in no way shameful, and that kind of guides a lot of their not only their actions, but a lot of the the kind of um, stereotypically bad stuff that church people say to other people. Sure. Right. Or so do. Like, and do exactly. So like uh, pastor, like this is a real thing that happens to me and to all kinds of pastors. Well, you know, my grandson is, is gay and I'm like, okay, what do you want me to say? You know, like, like and? what is, what is the problem, you know? And, <laughs> and, and to be able to talk through somebody who talk with, talk through this with someone who, um, has always been told that that is shameful, but for them to then discover, but I love my grandson. I, I want to be involved with my grandson's life. I want my grandson to love Jesus. I want, I want to be able, I want this church to be the church that he not only was baptized in, but gets to be married in. And, and for them to realize that those are all really good things and that there's no reason to feel shame over this. Uh, suddenly it becomes so much easier to, for, for church people to be good people. Right. Because, because the shame is gone. And I think that my work at CAST actually really helped that. You know, like, why is pastor dancing around in drag? Well, did you have a good time? Well, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, then it's not that big of a deal. Like, <laughs> like get over it. Like, <laughs> nobody got hurt. It's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's just a show. Um, and I think it helped. I think that did help folks at the church. Um, become better to each other and better to other people. I think what it did was um, allowed them to be sort of less judgmental. Yeah. It's not that the shame doesn't exist in their own personal lives or personal experiences, because that shame can be useful and can be good. It can keep people on the right track. Mm -hmm. um, when you don't have any shame, you get Donald Trump. But um, exactly. <laughs> but um I think feeling shame on behalf of others is uh, is where you get where things become problematic. That's where things become prejudices and things become biases and things like that. And what you allowed them to do was be less judgmental. Hmm. I think. Hmm. Well, I appreciate that, and I I hope so. But but ultimately, that's something of what I sense too. You know. Um, it was fun while I was there, while I was their pastor and while I was there to watch people who thought about themselves one way, kind of discover that that's not really who they were. Right. You know, and that's, that's cool. Like, like, and they discovered, you know, fo folks who understood themselves to be good old family values oriented conservative Christian people who, you know, who care about X, Y, Z things for them to discover that um, actually they're a little more fun than that, you know, that they're actually, it, it's actually a little a better, it's a, they're, they're, they're a better place to be uh, and a little less typical than that. I always said, uh, we used to do a, uh, uh, a carnival at the church. And this was this for a long time, this story was like the success story that I would tell everybody who would listen, everybody at the church, everybody anywhere. 
uh, there was a family that lived, you know, right in town that weren't really connected to any church, but we did this carnival out in our parking lot. And so they brought their kids to do this. And, and it's such a silly carnival. You were there, you know, oh, yeah. like you've seen it, like, like it's, it's, it's really kind of silly, but it's fun. <laughs> like, it's fine. You know, it's not bad. Uh, there's a dunk tank and they'd always dunk me and, you know, and they, <laughs> they'd have a good time with that. And eventually the, the adults would just let kids push the button on purpose try to so that I <laughs> and try to murder me. And I'd be like, is somebody going to stop them? And nobody ever would. And I would no. do that. No. But, uh, but there's this family and they, they, I was talking with them and their kids were playing and doing stuff. And, and they looked at me and they said, wow, I mean, we, we've been, we've lived by this church for like, six years and we never knew that you guys were this fun and i was like and i was like god damn it what, what a shock the moment we well, started the reason doing things, why was because for those six years they weren't yeah, that's probably true they weren't that fun <laughs> probably <laughs> true. but but i used to tell that story to everybody at the church i'm like this is what happens when we start doing things outside of the building right you know, right. it's, it's that simple. Like, it's not that complicated. When people just start getting to know us, then they go, oh, wow, this isn't that bad. No, it's not. It's fun. So let's talk about um, my memory of uh, coming to this audition at cast you know i i showed up and and I, i'm reading and and like i didn't know anything about the show i knew a bit about the show i knew it sounded funny and yeah. so i would i would read some i read some of the parts and and my first thought seeing you kind of outside of the show that i first saw you in was oh he seems a lot more like a normal guy <laughs> <laughs> and not a freak <laughs> well i was playing a wackadoo in the first thing that you yeah, saw so that's true <laughs> that's true <laughs> But I, I, that, love... I guess that's sort of a compliment to me that uh, you thought I was a batshit crazy, like ex colonel. <laughs> <That's laughs> let me be real. Let me be real with you. Uh, that show, I was like, I was like, I don't know what crazy hillbilly town we're in, but like, this is this was weird, man. Yeah, like, it was. like that that show was weird. But but like the show I ended up doing with you, the foreigner. You know that was a blast. I said that to yeah. you fairly early on i right i was like i was like matt i've i've done shows you know i've done i've done so many shows that i, I can't really count them and i've done them in lots of different theaters and and this is the most relaxed i've ever been <laughs> doing any show and it really was like like i was like wow everybody's everybody's really chill for you know no nobody and by chill all i mean is nobody is like an uptight asshole Right. You know, is is ultimately what I mean. Like you still had to yell at people as you well, were the yeah. director. <laughs> but but like nobody was this like douchebag who was screaming and frothing at the mouth. One of the last shows I did before, you know, cast was uh was Spring Awakening at a at a playhouse that Beth, my wife, was the technical director for. Oh man, that was that was rough. There was a lot of ego. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so much ego. And I, you know, and I have an ego, don't get me wrong. Sure, but like I do. had I had the smallest part in the show, and I did not deserve the smallest part in the show. I looked around, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, whatever, you know, if that's what you guys well, you had the smallest part in the foreigner as well. Yeah, but it was a good part. You know, <laughs> it was I had a both part. <laughs> I had both I had both the smallest and least important part in, <laughs> in Spring Awakening. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, whatever. 
you know, if that's what you guys want, then I guess that's fine. But like you had you had personality types in that show <laughs> ranging all over the place. And it was stressful. And this, you know, do, doing stuff with you that for that first show at, at the theater, that was that was perfect. I'd come home from it and be like, wow, this is and I talked to Beth. I'd be like, Beth, this is so this is so good and laid back and and people are really are really nice and and you know and Matt's great my my memory Matt of of you deciding that you were going to try church out was uh at a late a late night after practice uh and we started talking about politics with a couple other people and I was like yeah I'm preaching on politics and and demons this week and you were like what and I'm like yeah man that's what I'm doing you know, and, and uh, I think I can't remember if I talked to you about powers then or if you had to wait for the sermon. I can't remember. But but uh, that was my memory. That was fun. That was cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I've, and I've said ever since that demons puts asses in the seats, man. <laughs> so that's true. that's why that's why the church has been doubting them out for 2000 years, because it puts asses in the seats. Well, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I, I mean, if they'd be preached correctly, that would not get people in, you know, well, <laughs> that would, that would well, not be the, the reason. That's the thing, though. I mean, you get them, you get them through the door with all the, uh, the Milton-esque kind of. <laughs> right. With all the, with all the up, myth. With all the myth and the stories. And then when you sit down and you understand it and you go, wow, holy shit, this really makes sense. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. But I had been away from the church for God since I was. I don't know, 12 or 13 when I got thrown out of confirmation. <laughs> what a shame. I, I would never toss a person out of confirmation. That would be like an admission of defeat. Well, that was my, know? that was what, that was my perception of what the church was, you know, not, uh, not for you, you know? Sure. And, uh, and, and really I wanted to come to see, I was, I wanted to come to see what you were all about and sure. how, how that, how that all worked because i was like this guy he, he does not seem like what i had a preconception of what a pastor was so this is inter interesting in, in itself and uh, we'd had our conversations about politics and we had starting starting to become friends and whatnot and i thought well uh i always go to like when i have friends in a band i go see their bands when i have friends in a play i go see their plays you know i'll go see this guy's performance on sunday morning <laughs> 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 just to show my support you know and uh i, I ended up uh, really enjoying it and sticking around so yes but tell, talk more about that uh that that first show as far as um how different how, how was it different from say the larger scale productions you had been involved in in, in dc well so like the the, the kind of bigger shows that i had done in my in my acting career <laughs> it's, it's a very story. generous that is a very generous word for it yeah you're... um my my story time uh sweating my <laughs> ass off with a bunch of old people <laughs> that's why I, I studied acting in harrisburg and uh and i whenever i bring it up like that i usually have to follow it very quickly with Studying acting in Harrisburg is, is, is a already a generous way of putting what I did. <laughs> what, I, what I did was I took classes with very talented actors and, and, and professionals with other people who are hobbyists. 
Yeah. And so it's it's like I was I was the the one kid there, the one person there who like really was interested in learning this as a craft because I think you know I think that acting has a lot more in common with carpentry than it does anything else. You know, acting is um, at least from a kind of a technique standpoint. Like when you start to study acting technique, um, you discover that you're really learning a skill and you're learning a trade and. And, and you're learning something that you have to practice and hone and, and get good at in a lot of different ways. And you don't really have, t- you don't really have time to be like a, a weirdo. You know, you've right. got these well, kind of, you got these kind of actor, the actor thing in your brain, right? You've got like the, the, you know, you've got uh, some, some wacko who, who runs around and is kind of this eccentric psychopath. And those are really only the rich actors. You know, <laughs> like everybody else is just, just like, no, I'm I basically, you know, I basically am a blue collar worker, you know, just right. with this weird other just doing this all so that I can get one Zoloft commercial. <laughs> you know? And that was a world that I didn't want to be in. Like I, I studied it and I learned it. And then I was like, whoo, I am not ready to starve doing this. Um <laughs> right. Also that I can get into a Zoloft commercial. Like I'm not, I'm not going to do that. The biggest difference uh, I think between doing that show with you and, and really working at, at that theater uh, in general and other theaters I've worked at is the, uh, I'm going to put it this way is, is the sense of uh, not just sense of camaraderie, which, which I've experienced in other theaters but a generally healthy sense of who we were. And so there are times when, whenever you work at certain community theaters where, where you encounter people who really think that like the stuff they were doing was like Broadway stuff. Right. You know, and, and like, and and I didn't really encounter anybody like that. Not only at, not only at, during the foreigner, not only with the show that you directed, my first show there, but uh, but sort of in general, even 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 the most kind of hardcore people, um, there was always this realistic sense, like yeah, we're going to put on the best show we can, we're going to have a good time doing it, but like let's not let's not think that we're doing you know let's not think that we're fucking Pavarotti here, like let's not think that we're. <laughs> You know, we, we're not we're not putting on the Book of Mormon for a sold out crowd, you know, for the next 25 years. Right. You know, that's that's not what we're doing. Like we're 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 in a small town in central Pennsylvania and uh, we have a really great opportunity to expose people that might never get a chance to see theater to theater. And uh, and that was that's another reason that I that was another big difference. Like I really could get behind the mission of the theater. Right. You know, that was that's a big deal to me. Like mission is a big deal to me, partly because I'm a pastor and that's that's how my brain is trained. My brain is trained to think through what is the mission of this church? How are we going to fulfill the mission? Yada, yada, yada. And and so when I approached getting involved with the theater, I, I found myself latching on to the way the theater understood its role in the community. Right. And and then the way then that you and other directors and all and actors lived into that role. You know, and, and I think for the most part, the people who uh, are, I'm going to put it this way, the people who are uh, rewarded at that theater 
rewarded by with trust, with camaraderie, with, um, you know, chances to do lots of different things are the people that have proven that they're on board with the mission. I think you're right. Um, And I think that's a good thing. Like, I, I think that's a very good thing. Not enough theaters do that. Many community theaters that I've done work in essentially understand themselves as as a little slice, a little uh, sliced off kingdom, right. right? People who are really just not that good or not good enough to make it can live uh, a kind of a glorious double life. And that's not really how this theater was. You know, that's not really how, how cast is. And, and, uh, and so I, I was more than happy to invest, you know, in, in cast. And, and quite frankly, a lot of those people that, I mean, those people exist in any theater community, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but those, those that had that kind of mentality or that prima donna mentality, um, they get kind of forced out in a way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't last very long there. Um, the way that I always approached the theater, especially here, was oh, we want to do a professional show. We want to give people their money's worth, mm-hmm. but we want to, um, you are nothing without your audience. You are nothing without your fellow actors. You, you can't do this by yourself. So you have to, you have to be um, on board with everybody. You have to be on the same page and you have to all have the same inspiration, motivation, goal to, to pull off a show and make it authentic and make it unique and make it funny or make it emotional or whatever um Mm. and there's just not enough there's no room for individuals (laughs) yeah yeah no i think that's right i think that's right absolutely absolutely um and and that was something that that you did a good job leading you know the foreigner leading the show the first show i was in there at sort of demonstrating the folks that we worked with during that show i think also by and large were able to demonstrate that fine and 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 so i was able to really wrap my brain around what we were what we were doing right like i was you weren't you weren't you weren't expected to show up and just read lines you know with with the community theater the way that the way that ours operates is everybody has to do everything right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know you might be in there helping me build a set Sure. You know, you're not just the actor or just the stage manager or just the sound guy. Um, you have a lot of different, you have to wear a lot of different hats. And that, that cooperation requires a, a certain mentality where you're not egocentric. You have to put everything you can into a show to make it a success, regardless of its cost to your own personal wants. Right. There's been many, many, many shows that I've been involved with down there where I did not want the part that I had the first show that you came to see. I did not want that part. (laughs) (laughs) I did not want to be in that show, but I built the set and I acted in the role that I was given and I gave it the best I could. That's the only way that those shows work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's good. That's a boon to the to the community and to all the people kind of involved. Um, that's something that I truly miss about being in the area, being able to not just not just the people. I mean, that's a big deal. Like, right. Like you guys and and the folks uh, and other folks from the theater were really made up our friends, you know, in that area. Right. Um, 
but like really being able to invest in in that from that kind of community standpoint was really good. I'm the pastor of the church. And so in many ways, it's not really my church. Right. You know, and, and, and it, it's not that cast, it's not that the theater was like, became like my church, but it kind of hit that um, spot that, that is within me that really likes to build things and sort of right. be part of, uh, of, of something like that. And I appreciated that. Like that, that was a, that was a huge deal. Definitely. We're, we're saying nice things. You are, you are <laughs> easily, you are easily one of my favorite directors that I ever worked with. Uh, oh, po you. Possibly my favorite, um, <laughs> quite possibly. And uh, uh, I, I think that you have uh, a, a lot of talent for that and, and a lot of ability to kind of see um, the big picture and, and, and have a sense of particularly casting, have a sense of who, who can be in a show and, and, and what they can bring the shows that I did with you. I, you know, where you directed, I, I thought were, were phenomenal. And so definitely good. <laughs> well, that's, that's a pretty high compliment. I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. I think uh, part of the, and, and I've heard a lot of people, um, a variety of personalities down there. There's a variety of ages, a variety of, uh, uh, of experiences down there. There's all sorts of different people there. And I know that some people that are sometimes actors down there will not work with certain people that are down there because of their approach to things. And I have been blessed with several people saying that they want to work with me. Not that they if, they, if they hear that I'm doing a show, they want to be involved. And that's a huge compliment in and of itself, that just somebody wants to participate in something because I'm attached to it is an honor, you mm. know? And I think part of the reason for that is because whenever I approach a show, um, I try to make sure that you don't have to worry about anything but you. OK. And what I mean by that is I've been involved in many shows where, you know, the people, the directors freaking out because we're opening in a week and this isn't done and that's not done. And, you know, there's a real sense of anxiety that gets built up because there's a sense that the ship is unmoored, if you will. And right. uh, I, I, I made a conscientious effort when I, I began directing to not do that. I wanted to make sure that whenever people were coming to work for me. Um, and taking direction from me that they were treated with respect and with dignity and I wasn't wasting their time and that they didn't feel uh, out to sea and that, that things were things were okay. It's, it's my job as a director to worry about that stuff. It's not your job as an actor, especially an unpaid actor, <laughs> right? I, I think that that uh, sense of 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 calm, of preparation, of attention to detail um, is what is alluring to a lot of the people that I've worked with and why they want to work with me again, because I try to set it up that way. Now, it doesn't always work that way, but I mean, my wife can tell you I'm the one there. I, I'm there before you uh, and I leave after you and I'm the one chewing my fingernails off behind the scenes. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> 
but while you're there, you know, I want to give you the experience and the, and the freedom to do your bit because right. I can't, I can't do a show without you, you know? So for the foreigner, the first show that you were involved in, you got the smallest part. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember you being kind of like, you know, eyebrow, eyebrow raised whenever you <laughs> whenever I told you which part I had cast you and you're like, really? Because <laughs> um, you thought you were going to get the lead because you were the, the best actor on the stage. The other actors were good, too. Don't I'm not trying to, like, put you on a particular pedestal. No, no, I, I hear what you're saying. But the um, the role that I needed you in, the role that I needed uh, your presence in was the role that I put you in and you you killed it and it made the show better. I don't know that I could have used a different person in that role and put you in an, in another, like, I think that show was cast correctly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, and it was nice that you weren't, uh, it didn't have that sort of ego that we're talking about that you were like, uh, well, I'll, okay, I'll come in and I'll do my thing and I'll write sermons in the 45 minutes I have between scenes and, <laughs> right. you know, and you're willing to do that. And, uh, you know, it was the show was better for it. And now the second show that you were in that I directed, you had a much more substantial part. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but that's the one that we got the letters from. That's yes. The yes. That got us in trouble. The the I am appalled letters. <laughs> I, am, I am appalled by this by this potty language. I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Don't come and see the show. Nobody, yeah, else, well, nobody else complained. Nobody at my church complained. But do you realize uh, that was the first, the first non-musical, non-children's show that we sold out? Yeah, that's a, that we should be we should be pretty uh, proud of that. that you should be that show proud. was the only the only traditional like play. I mean, obviously, children's shows. For the listeners that aren't aware of how theaters work. When you have a children's show, you typically have 30 to 40 children. Those 30 to 40 children have parents and brothers and sisters and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles. And it's really easy to sell out those shows whenever mm-hmm. you have gigantic casts and they're not particularly deep, <laughs> you know, and uh, the, people show up just to support their their kid or their grandkid or whatever. And those shows are easy to sell out when you're when you're selling a show that's based on a, a seven or eight person who uh, adult actors who have various levels of connection to the community. Some of which aren't really known well in the community at all. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're selling those tickets based on word of mouth after the first night of whether the show was good or not. And right. um, I was very proud that our, our second show together was uh, the first one that we had ever sold out. Oh, yeah. based purely on the merit of the show and the performances that were going on. So that was a big deal. That was a big deal. Definitely a big deal. And that was fun. That was a great show. That was uh, it really was. It, it, it was very funny. It, it had a, a lot happening. I had uh, uh, a very large amount of lines, <laughs> 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 which which I guess is OK. <laughs> I've gotten to the point now in my in my life where I'm like, that's OK. I. If I say six things, it's fine as long as, as long as they, as long as the crowd gets a strong reaction from those six things. But no, I mean, I I very pleased with that show. That was also the show you forgot about Kitchens, correct? Um, which is yeah. one of my favorite 
my favorite stories. The, the quick and dirty version of that story, listeners, is Matt is talking about staging the show and, and he's, he's talking about it to me. And he's like, okay, well, we need this living room. And then this talks about a, uh, you know, needing a place to set food, like in a dining room, you know, and, and, and stuff. And, and, and I just don't know if we're going to have enough space on the stage to do that. And I'm like, what if you put it off stage? And you were like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, what if you just, what if you just left the stage? <laughs> And that's just what happened. That's just what people yeah. did. I was like, brilliant. Of course. <laughs> it's, the kitchen is off stage. Like, yes. Yes. Not everybody lives in a studio apartment. Of course. <laughs> right. Naturally. It makes sense. I'm like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So for this podcast, listeners, this the I think the hope for for what we're we're experimenting with is uh, to be able to kind of continue our um, uh, the practice that Matt and I developed over our friendship of showing up at each other's houses and boring our wives, um, uh, ba- basically by drinking and smoking, talking incessantly about uh, lots of different things. Sure. And that's, I think, going to be kind of what we're going to do here. We're, we're basically going to take on uh, uh, topics that that are we like to talk about. And so we'll probably talk about religion, probably talk about theology, politics, movies, theater, you know, just just lots of different stuff. And uh, we're probably just going to approach this in a lot of the same ways we approach just talking. When this goes live, when when the podcast sort of begins, it'll be kind of a fun, hopefully a fun, I hope, uh, conversation for you guys to engage with and, and and listen with. And well, you didn't you didn't sell it very well by telling everyone that uh, that we bored our wives in our conversations. Yeah, but like <laughs> our wives are. What do you want me to say? You want me to lie? Our wives, our wives were riveted and deeply aroused the entire time. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but uh but i'm excited for it i'm excited to 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 do that now that i've now that i've moved away and and since matt and his family don't seem to have any intention of moving here which is fine <laughs> i recognize i understand i understand i think this will be this will be a lot of fun yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll always talk about um topics that are relevant because most of what we talked about with our hookah chats, it was kind of, it was kind of spur of the moment, but it was, it all had a point, a meaning, you know? Right. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that we have, we've talked about in the past and that we, I'm sure we're going to talk about in the future that, uh, people think about things in a different way after it, you, you and I, whenever we have a conversation, I, I, the, the benefit I get from it is I, I tend to think about things differently than I would have before. And it, and it makes uh, understanding and uh, comprehension much easier. Yeah. No, so, same with me. Same yeah. With me. So. Um, and, and I think that that'll be, I think that'll be good. It, it'll right. be fun because, you know, we don't always agree, which is great. No, no, we don't. <laughs> uh, and we'll be able to fight in real time. Right. Uh, which might be which might be interesting. Might be interesting. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have those. Oh, oh absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I actually have a lot of positive and, and happy memories of my time living, you know, where, where we live with you. And so <laughs> like, I, I happened to, uh, it, I complained a lot, but I, I ultimately didn't think there was anything wrong with it. <laughs> I just complained, you know, because I wish there was a decent restaurant in the town that I lived in, <laughs> but there wasn't. Um, uh, but at the same time, like, you know, I also know that like my my side of the political aisle uh, is pretty shite at at getting <laughs> people in towns like that to like you know think some of that think some of that stuff is cool you know <laughs> and, stuff I don't and really see know and see this do. is where this is the bridge that I can provide to you because you and I are very similar uh, politically mm-hmm. our opinions aren't aren't that far off no. but I would say that I'm much more conservative than you <laughs> yeah even though even though i have the same liberal beliefs i i'm much um i i try to be more uh centrist than you do <laughs> i understand that's probably true that's probably, that's probably true <laughs> so i will i will function as the republican in this in this uh in this podcast i'm sure um, I would function as the conservative in, and that is somebody who's very center left. So that shows you yeah, how left this that, podcast that's, is. That's the best be. kind of, that's the best kind of conservative I can come up with, you know, is, <laughs> is <laughs> one who votes Democrat. <laughs> yep. Um, but no, I think that'll be, I think that'll be real good. Well, yeah. well, friends, I think we're coming up on an hour. Uh, that's going to be the podcast. And we hope Matt and I hope that, as this gets going that you guys will enjoy it and, and keep listening and uh, we'll, we'll have a good time listening to us catch up and fight with each other. <laughs> yes. And I'm looking forward to um, hearing from listeners about screaming at their car, car steering wheels. Yeah, please do that. Please that do that, that will happen. You're, you're probably going to hear some things from both of us that make you, want to scream by all means do that that's what this is for it's to make you think it's to make you mad it's to make you happy it's to get it's to uh get a reaction so absolutely <laughs> absolutely that's the point of this and right. and i and i live on that i live on the reaction you I, we're trying to get you guys if we can mimic that feeling that you felt when slave one rolled into the screen <laughs> on the mandalorian <laughs> Or when Luke's X-wing just just showed up on Moff Gideon's ship, that I feeling. Screamed, I screamed like a little girl. Huh. I oh, did. I hear that. I, I hear that. And my wife looked at me like I had grown a second head, and my daughter giggled at me because I made a, a noise louder and, and higher pitched than she can even make. She's only five. Uh, that was that was uh, an experience for sure. <laughs> that's what we're going for. My point is, that's what we're going for. <laughs> Uh, All right, friends, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.